Amen. Come on, church. How y'all doing this morning? Okay, second service, a little tired too. Come on, turn to somebody next to you. Give them a high five and say, I'm glad you're here. All right, now turn to your second choice. High five them and say, I'm really glad you're here too. Come on, that song says, break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Come on, if you believe God's way is better, can you just give him a shout of praise just real quick? God is so good. Church family, I am excited to be back here in Minnesota with you in the winter. I said I'd never come back in the winter, but here we are. Come on, never say never. Somebody reminded me of that. But I'm excited to be here. And uh, by the way, I got a lot to cover, so I'm going to speak a little bit quickly today, okay? And if I'm going too fast, I need y'all to say, hold up, okay? Let's practice it together. I'm going to count to three, and then you're going to say, hold up on three, okay? You ready? One, two, three. Okay, that was good. That was good. So feel free to use that. Now, I never understood. Do you say, when I say on three, do you say hold up on three or after? I don't know. Either way. Uh, But I'm excited to be here today. And last message, I think I went over by like four minutes. So I had a young girl that I was so disappointed. I'm like, can't believe I went over by four minutes. She's like, well, why don't you set a timer? I said, boy, kids are so smart. So today, I'm going to set a timer. But let me ask you all a question. I went over by four minutes. Anybody okay? Because I want to share. I I need to... I need to, to, to break down some tension because last time I was here, I talked about going to France. And I want to just talk about that real quick. So are you guys okay with me spending an extra four minutes? If you are, raise your hand if I could do four minutes. Okay, four, eight, twelve. We, we got a whole other hour. We good. We good. All right. But real quick, I just want to kind of touch on that. Last time I was here, I preached and mentioned how my family was going to go to France. And I bought a plane ticket believing that God was going to make a way. And here's the thing. So Mandy, which is my wife, J.R. and Avery, my sons, all got to go to France and meet my mother for the first time. And they had an incredible time. They really did. It was beautiful. They sent pictures. And, and so I didn't actually get to be there. And I got to tell you guys, I learned something during that time is that, see, my faith doesn't always change the outcome, but it does change my outlook. Right, come on, it won't always change the outcome, but it'll change your outlook. And if it changes your outlook, it changes everything. See, the old junior would have just sat in pity. Oh, why always me? I always get the short straw. I always don't get to go. I'm always the kid that gets left behind. Come on, anybody in here ever play the victim? I'm always always me, right? So I got to tell you, me believing, even on this stage two weeks before that I was going to go, kept me excited. And then like a week before, I said, Lord, um, it's not looking very likely. <laughs> I doubt the government's going to send me all this paperwork and do it. It's not, it's not looking good, Lord. And, and he said to me, well, son, your time has not yet come. But praise me that J.R., Avery, and Mandy get to go. And so I never got into a point of disappointment or sadness, but I did get to take them to the airport because remember, I bought a plane ticket, so I got to walk through the gate and all of it. I went, I went all the way in there, right? And so I get to the gate. The only bittersweet part was, you know, we were excited because I got to hang out with them at the airport and act like I was going to go on the plane. Then when I got to the very front, my youngest son, Avery, is like, bye, dad. 
And I'm like, oh, don't cry. Dad's here. I'm going to be good, right? So they get on the plane. I hop in the car and I drive home from Miami Airport. This is about an hour and like 20 minutes away. And on the way, about 45 minutes in, I realize my phone dies. And I didn't have a charger in the car, so I'm like, man, I need to go get a charger because i got to charge my phone. And so I stopped by a gas station, and when I stopped at the gas station, I ran into somebody from high school. And I'm like, man, it's been forever. You know? And he's like, yeah, you know, I died in 2018 and came back to life. I'm like, well, that's interesting. Right? And as we're talking, you know, it's always fun when you meet somebody and like, I died in 2018. I thought you was here. But we started talking, and I was like, hey, you know what? I've been looking for my cousin Gene for a while. He's been locked up since we got out of high school. I said, my cousin Gene's been locked up for probably about 18 years after we got out of high school. But I had my friend Felipe look into him, and, and he got out in 2020, but I had no way of finding him. So they had a known address for him. He was somewhere in, like, some treatment place. And so I went by the treatment place. I showed a picture of him, and they're like, man, that boy ain't been here in a minute. And I'm like, man, I just can't find this man. I've been trying to, and I can't find him. So that night I'm at the gas station, and this person I meet from high school, I'm like, hey, by the way, I've been looking for my cousin Gene for a hot minute. I can't find him. And they're like, you mean J-Boy? J-Boy is his nickname. You mean J-Boy? No, I was just with J-Boy the other day. Man, let me call him up. Calls him up. And literally, he and his brother, who's actually named Junior, show up at this gas station. We have this big reunion after so many years. And we start hanging out. And I'm hanging out with them. And then Junior turns to me. And he's like, what do you do? I told him I'm a pastor. And he's like, you know, the Bible, the Bible, I, I just don't believe in the Bible. It contradicts itself. Come on, you can't make this stuff up. What are the chances? I'm coming home from Miami. I run into my cousin I ain't seen in 20 years, been locked up, and Junior is now talking to me about the Bible. So we spend a couple hours talking about the Word of God. And while we're talking about the Word of God, I get to a point where I'm like, hey, hey, Junior, I just want you to know, man, God is not afraid of your questions. As a matter of fact, God wants your questions. As a matter of fact, I believe that God is drawing you to himself right now. And he gets up and he's like, did he just tell you that? Huh? Did you just hear God say that to you right now? And I'm like, well, well, I don't hear an audible voice, but I know my father. And when you know somebody's character, you know how they behave, you know what they do. And I'm telling you, God is calling you to himself right now. And he said, man, I got to tell you, dude, I feel so bad that you ain't with your family. He's like, but I believe God kept you here for me because I felt like something was calling me. I just didn't know what it was. He's like, so, man, thank you for being here for me. And it opened a door. For him to start looking into and getting to know God and wanting to chase after God. Here's the thing. God will leave the 99 for the one. So I am truly blessed that even though I wasn't with my family in France, although we are going to go back together, I got to be here and I got to do God's work. So I just want to let you guys know and give you an update. God is good no matter what. I didn't shed a tear. Except for when Avery did, because that's always sad when your kids cry. Um, but on a brighter note, so guys, the other day I got here on Friday, and someone invited me to go, uh, you call it spearfishing, I think, spearfishing, to which I said no. <laughs> I don't like fish, I don't like seafood, I don't like the water, I don't like ice, I don't like none of that stuff, so I'm just out. But they were persistent. Come on, this is why you need a church around you, because your church is persistent. Come on, man, you should go. I'm like, I'm not going. They're like, come on, man, you should go. I'm like, well, here's the thing, guys. So I already committed 
to go skiing with my friend Brian, right, and his wonderful children, Stephen and Elizabeth. I said, yo, boy, here cannot do two cold sports in one day. I'm out. I'm doing skiing. That's it, right? And then he's like, well, if you change your mind, I'm like, I'm not going to change my mind, but I'll give you a call if I do. And so the next morning I wake up and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should. I'm in Minnesota. You know, why not try this out, right? So I reach out to Jeremy, okay? So Jeremy and his son, Matthew, which are awesome. So I reach out to Jeremy. I'm like, hey, man, all right, you know what? I think I'm going to check this thing out. Let's do this. And he thought he was slick. He said, okay, cool. Can we come by and pick you up? Now, here's the thing. When people pick you up, they do that because they want you to stay with them the whole time. I know better. I know better. I know. when Can I pick you? No, sir. As a matter of fact, I got to go to the stove. I'm going to meet you over there, right? So in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to go there for about 30 minutes just to get the experience and fellowship, and then I'm gone, right? That was my thought. And, y'all, I went out there, and it was a blast. My goodness, we got to sit in this dark, hot tub tent i don't know what y'all call it y'all probably know better than i do and i had this spear in my hand and y'all i speared a fish i speared one come on i ain't got the picture to prove it come on hey there he is come on with a t-shirt and all it ain't cold when you spear a fish you feel good about yourself and i gotta tell y'all right now after that experience i realized y'all i'm officially a minnesotan all right Come on, I'm officially a Minnesotan. And then I got to go skiing right after that. And I would show you some pictures of me skiing, but I fell and I twisted in ways I shouldn't have. And the funny thing is, I I fell the most, Brian knows, just getting off the lift. What is wrong with these lifts and how do you get off of them, right? I knew the guy at the top was like, every time that brother come up, I got to stop this lift. First time you remember my legs just went back and I'm like, I'm not supposed to bend this way, but God is good and protected my joints, so I'm still moving today. But either way, it was a lot of fun, right? And I had a blast. And I got to tell you, Minnesota, now I know why you live here. Come on, before that, I used to judge y'all and say, I don't know what y'all thinking. You can come back to Florida with me. Why would you do this to yourselves? But see, here's the thing. Prior to this, I heard about Minnesotas and Minnesota things, right? I heard about what y'all do, but I never experienced what y'all do. Come on, somebody. I heard about what y'all do. And that's why I said things like, yeah, I'm never coming in the winter. See, when you only hear of something, you say the things that you ain't going to do. But when you've experienced something, it changes something in you. And I just want to let y'all know, guys. That so many times in church and in Christianity and in this world, people hear about Jesus. They hear about what Jesus did. They hear about what Jesus can do. And that's why they're like, well, I would do this, but I ain't going to do that. But when you experience Jesus, when you are all in for Jesus and you experience Jesus, you could say, I'm a Minnesotan now. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Now I get it, right? And so that's what I want to talk about today because we are still talking about the seven letters in Revelation, right? And what I love about the seven letters is that the seven letters in the seven churches are there to encourage us and to warn us. And today we're going to talk about the seventh church, the church in Laodicea, which is also known as the lukewarm church. And here's what you need to know about the church in Laodicea. They heard of Jesus, but they never had the experience experience of Jesus. And when you've experienced Jesus, it's hard to stay 
lukewarm. So today we're going to jump in to Revelation 3, verses 14. And if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. If you don't, we're going to put the words up on the screen. But we're going to learn a little bit about this church that is known as the lukewarm church. And so Revelation 3 says this, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen. And the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I love this verse. I know all of the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. See, you say that I am rich, that I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't even realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. See, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. I love this verse. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. See, those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. That was a lot to unpack. So thank y'all for giving me three hours to preach today. We're going to cover all of it. It's going to be great. But I'm going to pray real quick and ask the Holy Spirit to step in. Because in this short time we're going to have together, I'm praying that God is going to speak to you. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for every single person in this room. God, I thank you that we don't go places, we're sent places. So everyone in here right now is sent here on purpose. And God, you have a word for them today. God, your word never returns void. Your word always has power. And we just read your word, Father God. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as you scatter the seed of your word, that our hearts would be good soil to receive the seed so something can grow. God, I pray that if we have anything that is blocking us or keeping us or has hardened our hearts, To not be able to receive what you have to say today, Lord, I pray that we would put whatever that is aside for a moment so that we can hear from our Father in heaven. Lord, speak to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just realized I never set the timer. Um, How long I've been speaking? I'm just kidding. But I was going to set the timer. It's okay. We're going to be here for three hours. We'll be fine. Okay. First thing I want to unpack is this. And I love this verse. And you guys have probably heard this before. Neither hot nor cold, you are lukewarm. Right? Have you ever heard that verse before? He, he, he says, I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I will spew you. From my mouth. Now, did you know, when you look at this context of hot or cold, sometimes we think about hot or cold like hot is the Christian that's on fire, right? The one that's yelling like, Jesus, yeah, right? That's hot. And then the other person is just like mellow. That, 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 that person is cold, right? So you got the hot and then you got the cold. 
But the interesting thing is, that's not what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying that one of you is excited, the other one isn't. In order to understand this, you actually have to really understand Laodicea. So one thing you need to know about Laodicea is this. They were rich. They were rich in resources. They were rich in, in finances. Like, they were, they were rich. But the one resource that they did not have, or natural resource they didn't have, was water. They did not have water. So they would go to Colossae, which is where you have the Colossian church, which is where the book of Colossians is from, right? And you hear them talk about Laodicea in the book of Colossians. So six miles away was Colossae. And Colossae had these fresh, cold water wells, right? So they had this fresh water there. And so when you went to Colossae and drank the water, it was cold. But by the time you would pipe in that water from its source, which is cold, six miles over to Laodicea, it would be lukewarm, right? And so it would lose its effectiveness. Because who here knows, when you're thirsty, right, especially on a hot day, which I get maybe one of those a year, but especially on a hot day, right, you sit there and you drink that water when you're hot. It is refreshing. It is good. But what happens is when you move it from from, from um, Colossae to Laodicea, it loses its effectiveness. It is lukewarm. But then if you went in the other direction, you have Heropolis, right? And Heropolis was known for their hot water. They had hot water with calcium in it that actually brought healing. It was for medicinal purposes. People would bathe in them like spas, and they would drink the water, had some calcium in it. But it was supposed to heal people, right? But the problem is by the time you pipe in the water from Heropolis... All the way to Laodicea, it is now lukewarm. So it has lost its effectiveness. One is supposed to be cold and refreshing, which it is at the source, but when it comes six miles, it's no longer effective. The other one is supposed to be hot and good for medicinal purposes, but when it travels miles, it becomes ineffective. And Jesus says, here's the thing, guys. This has nothing to do with passion. It doesn't have to do with one's excited and one's not. He's like, this has everything to do with your distance from the source. He's saying, you are far from me. You barely even know me. See, you, you say that you're a church and, and you're here and you're, you're more of a social club. You get together. But here's the thing, you are distant from the source and that's why you're ineffective, right? The water at the source was cold, but by the time it traveled, it became ineffective. Here's the thing, church. As a church, we're supposed to be refreshing and healing, when people meet us or come here, people are supposed to get refreshed. Ooh, this was refreshing. I am glad I came to the open door today. I feel different. And it's supposed to get healing. Man, I came in just emotional trauma, and I met this man named Jesus today, and I just feel better. I'm, we're supposed to be refreshing and healing. But when we're distant from the source, we lose our effectiveness. So, church, let me ask you a question. How close are you to the source? Now, I'm not asking how close you are to the church geographically, although I want you to be close, right? I'm not asking how many small groups you're a part of, although small groups are great. I'm not asking you how close you are to Pastor Steve. He is awesome. I love the guy, right? But he is not the source. I'm not asking you how close you are to these things. What I'm asking you is, how close are you to Jesus in proximity? Because that is where our source is, and that is where we get power. That source is what gives us life. 
And the problem is if we are doing church and doing stuff, but we're not connected to Jesus, we become ineffective and therefore become lukewarm, right? So the other day, I rented this car, right? My brother works for Enterprise, so we get a great deal. So I rented a car called the Polestar. It's an electric car. Anybody know what a Polestar is? Raise your hand. All two of you. Praise the Lord. They're fun, aren't they? <laughs> okay. Anybody here know what a Tesla is? Raise your hand. Fantastic. So just think about a Tesla, but a little bit cheaper, okay? The one thing about electric cars is this. They are fast. Man, are they fast. It's like zero to 60 in like 3.9 seconds, and my kids love to go fast. They like Ricky Bobby. They like, Dad, if you ain't first, you're last. Come on. They will pull up to the light and start challenging people. I don't even know about it. Daddy, he's giving you a look. I said, well, did you give him a look first? That's my real question, right? So they like to race. And here's the thing. I'm not saying, okay, so how do I say this? I'm in church. Um, So I don't... (laughs) I get to the speed limit quickly. I don't necessarily speed. Does that make sense? Okay, I speed sometimes. Come on, we in church. I speed sometimes. But what I'm saying is I like to go fast. So I get to that, that, I get that. It's awesome, okay? So we have this car called the Polestar, and my kids are enjoying it. And we're driving it around town, going really quickly, using up a lot of power. Why? Because I was excited about one thing, church. I wasn't going to have to go to a gas station. Come on, anybody in here, gas station just makes you cry sometimes. You're just like, Jesus, I'm going to need a third job for this here, right? So I was excited, driving fast, using this power. My kids are having a blast. And then we get home, I pull into the garage, and I smile again. Because I'm like, ooh, I'm just going to charge this baby, and tomorrow we're going to be ready to go. No gas stations for me. This is great, right? Keep it in the garage, plug it in, go to sleep. Wake up the next morning. I get in the car, and I'm like, I'm about to get to work real quickly today. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got some power today. We are about to hit it and get to work, but only hit it till I get to the speed limit. Remember, I don't speed much. But but so I'm about to hit it. It's going to be a lot of fun, right? So I turn the car on, and it says I'm at 13% battery. I said, wait a minute, 13%? I, see, that's the downside about electric cars. At least the other one, I could be like, I'm going to go to the gas station. I'm going to be straight. But here I was powerless. What am I going to do with this car? I can't go nowhere. 13%. This is not good. So I went and I checked the outlet. I said, oh, this maybe, maybe it wasn't working. And I plugged something else in and it was working. I go back and I'm like, okay, let me call Enterprise. So I call Enterprise up and I'm like, hey, guys, listen, I don't know what's going on. My outlet works. I, I, I plugged in the car overnight and, and I should have enough power, but, but it says I'm at 13%. What's up? They're like, oh, we should have told you, you were connected to the wrong source. See, the problem when you're connected to the wrong source is it won't give you enough power. See, we have a special charger for these cars, and they charge them quickly so you can have the power that you need to do what you need to do. And here's the thing, church. Did you know that you have a special charger? His name is Jesus. He is the outlet that you plug into that gives you power from God. So the thing is, you have a special charger. And what happens is when you're not plugged in to the source, when you're not plugged in to Jesus, you're operating at 13%. No wonder you get so tired. No wonder you feel like you don't have the energy. No wonder you're constantly feeling just angry and frustrated. God is saying because you're not connected to the source, are you connected to Jesus, church. 
where is your source of power? See, some of us, if we're honest, we're not turning to Jesus for power. We're turning to our resources. We're, we're, we're turning to social media. We're turning to, to Netflix to recharge, right? Come on, it's like, man, I've had a bad day. I need to recharge. Come on, give me some popcorn and some Netflix. Not saying that's bad. I'm saying, but if that is your main source to recharge, you're always going to feel drained. You're always going to be at 13%. Come on, church, what is your source? Where are you going to to get filled up? Here's what I can promise you. The things of this world can give you a jolt of energy, but they cannot fill you. You may be able to get from here to there, but you will not be able to drive and do what you're called to do unless you're connected to the true source, unless you're connected to Jesus. So church, my first point is this. What or who are you connected to? Because what you're connected to will determine the type of power that you receive. And the next thing that Jesus says is he says, you say that I am rich, that I have everything that I don't need anything, right? Here's what you need to know about Laodicea. They would have these earthquakes, okay? And these earthquakes would tear things up, as earthquakes do. And back in the day, the Roman government, right, the Roman Empire, would, would kind of act like FEMA a little bit. So when these places would have earthquakes and have devastation, they would send them money to help them out. So Laodicea had an earthquake. It caused devastation. So the Roman government sent them a check and said, here you go, guys, to help out. Do you know what they did? They sent it back. They said, I don't need your money. We don't need you. We are good. This is how I know I'm getting close to becoming lukewarm. When I start thinking I don't need anybody and I can do it on my own. That's why Jesus turns here and he's like, you say that I am rich and I have everything I want. And the last part was, and I don't need a thing. He's talking about, y'all sent the money back. You, you don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Jesus is saying you are sick and you don't even know it. Blessed is the man who knows he is a sinner in need of a savior, for he will find salvation, healing, and freedom. But how sad it is for the man who thinks he sees but is living in utter darkness. How hard is it for that man who thinks, I, I got money, I got resources, I got friends. I don't need I don't need your source nor your resources. I am a source. I can supply my needs. I got this. Bible says if you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you don't fall. See that person that thinks that they are good and they don't need Jesus, they are in trouble of being that lukewarm church because they think they can figure it out on their own. Let me ask you, church, how often are you running to Jesus? And how often are you saying, I got this. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't need nobody, right? Not even God. You're even saying, I don't need nobody. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Independent. I'm Miss Independent. Come on, the world told us we need to be independent. I don't need anything from anyone. Come on, me being the baby of five kids and not having a father around, it built pride in my heart. I said, I don't need no dad. I don't need nobody. People have rejected me. Fine. I could do this on my own. All Junior needs is Junior. And years later, Junior ended up in a treatment center because <laughs> Junior needed more than Junior. Junior needed God, and Junior also needed people around him to walk alongside of him. Amen? 
So how do we avoid being that lukewarm church? Well, the first thing that we need to do if we want to avoid being that lukewarm church is we need to admit. We need to be honest. We need to be honest, church. I think, I think the problem sometimes is that we're not honest with where we really are, right? As I just mentioned a moment ago, I went to treatment. So if y'all don't know, I'm in a program called Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's where I actually found God, and God changed my life. And through his grace and mercy, today I have over nine and a half years sober from drug and alcohol addiction. Come on, I don't have to worry about getting high, nor do I have the desire. But the first step in that program is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. See, honesty is the key. We admitted. And I realized that admission, right, you admitting something, admission is the cost of admission to a new life. Come on, if you want a new life, admission, admitting it, is the cost of admission to a new life. The problem is sometimes we think we're okay. We look good on the outside. People are like, how you doing this morning, Pastor? I'm great, you know, blessed and highly favored. I'm the head and not the tail. Come on, the Lord Jesus has provided for me. Come on, I didn't even think about the question. It's an automatic response. Oh, we are good in the house of the Lord Jesus. I'm here, ain't I? But on the inside, you're lonely. You're depressed. You're hurting. You've been running to sources that haven't filled you but have robbed you. You've been watching things you shouldn't. You've been hanging with people that you shouldn't because you're trying to meet a need. You're running to the wrong source. So God says the first thing you need to do is admit it. Just tell the truth. Be honest. And the Bible says confess to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So here's what we know. Bless you. Here's what we know. When it says so that you may be healed, right? Anytime you see so that you may be healed, you may want to know what God said before that. So that you may be healed. First thing you need to do is confess to what? Just God? No. It says confess to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing comes from confession and prayer. And the problem is, and by the way, I'm not telling you to come up here and start telling all your deep, dark secrets. Don't do that. They'll think you're crazy, right? If you come up here like, okay, he told me to confess. So church, last night I was at, I'm not asking you to do that. But what I am asking you to do is find somebody that you can confide in. Find one person that you can just be real with, that you can be honest with, and admit to them and say, would you pray with me? I am struggling with this. Why? Because that also creates accountability, Hey, you go to that person, hey, man, I've been watching things I shouldn't watch, and it's, it's really bothering me, and I, I've been holding it in. I thought I could fix it on my own, and I can't, so here you go. I, I'm confessing it. Can we pray? And then after you pray, guess what? Now you've also got accountability, right? So that admission is the cost admission to a new life. So therefore, now, next time, that person may call you up and be like, hey, man, how's that thing going? And if you're like, hey, it's not going good, they're like, well, let's get back to the drawing board. Let's figure this thing out, right? So number one is admission. Number two, the second step is, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Came to believe. Here's what you need to know, church. God can, and you need to believe that he can fix whatever that issue is. Sometimes we're like, well, I I don't know. Like, I want to take it to God, but I just, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm afraid to tell anybody. I'm afraid. Like, I, I just, what if he doesn't? But what if he does? First thing we need to do is admit. Second thing is we need to believe that God can. 
And the third thing, right, the third thing it says, we turned our wills and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. We turned it over to God. And here's the thing, the word repent means to turn away. So God is saying, here's the thing, I want you to admit it and pray with somebody and let that thing go. Two, I need you to believe that I can bring the healing. And three, I need you to turn to me and turn from it. I need you to turn to me and turn from it. And here's the thing, church, the devil's going to keep coming at you. So when you try to turn from it, guess what he's going to do? Oh, he's going to pull you back. If you just stop doing drugs, he's going to give you free drugs. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm done with drugs forever. And a friend calls you up and like, hey, you want this for free? Well, I guess it's okay to do it one more time. And you go right back, right? God, I am done with these bad relationships. Next thing you turn around, somebody you like is like, hey, you want to hang out? God says you need to admit, you need to believe, and you need to turn from that thing. And your accountability will help you. So three things we need to do, guys. We need to be honest. I'm asking you right now, what is that thing that God's been asking you to be honest about? What is that thing that nobody in the church knows about you and that maybe nobody knows? And you've been struggling with it for years. And God is saying, like he said to the church in Laodicea, by the way, guys, you think you're so good that you're blind, wretched, and naked, and you don't even see it. You're hurting, but you don't. Yeah, you have money. You've got resources. Yeah, maybe you're not as bad as those guys. Come on, how often do we do that? That was my justification when I was younger. It was just like, well, at least I'm not like that guy. You know what happened over time? I became that guy, right? And so whoever you're comparing yourself to, Don't focus on what they're doing. I think God is asking you today, church, hey, what is that thing that I've been asking you to be honest about? Can you believe that I can turn that thing around in your life? And will you turn to me and turn from it? Because I never called you to do this thing here alone. God says, turn to me. And that's why I love Revelation 3.20. Because then when you get to Revelation 3.20, here's what God says. God turns around and says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. He said, I've been knocking on your heart for a while about this thing. But I'm not intrusive. I'm a gentleman. I'm not just going to kick down your door. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. And he says, and if you hear my voice and open the door. You have a role to play in that, by the way, church. He says, if you open the door, you have to open him. You have to open it up for him to walk in, right? He says, if you hear my voice And open the door. Here's the promise. I will come in. We will share a meal together as friends. God says, if you let me in, I'm not going to come in like the, oh, you messed up. You did. No, no, no. He says, I'm coming in as a friend. How does a friend come? And a friend comes in and he's like, hey, man, what do you need? How can I help you? Hey, man, I'm here for you. Hey, you need to talk. I'll listen. Jesus is saying, I'm going to come in as a friend. If you will admit, if you will believe, and if you will turn, then I will come into your life and I will do what only I can do. And I'll end with this story. I didn't do this the first service, and I'm probably over my time, but y'all gave me some extra time, so we're okay. Um, (laughs) So for a while, and I shared this at Recovery Church, and I don't know why I'm bringing it up now, but I feel like doing it. Come on, Brian, we're going to share it, right? We're going to share it, okay. Uh, So, you know, back in the day, if, if Junior St. Val was a company, I was in the red. 
If Junior St. Val was a corporation, I was in the red. I had destroyed my life. I was awful at managing my own life. I thought I had things together on the outside. I had money. I had stuff. But I was addicted to drugs, alcohol, all of these things that were tearing me up inside. And I would smile to you on the surface, but I was dying on the inside. And so Jesus knocks on the door of my heart and says, son, I know. I know what you're really walking through. I know what you're really dealing with. And that's why I love how this beginning starts right here. He says, I know all the things you do. I even know the motive of why you give. You just, you just want people to notice you. I, I know everything about you, right? And so Junior St. Val Incorporated is in the red. Business is failing. Jesus knocks on the door and says, hey, Junior, I can turn this around. Come on, like that show, The Prophet, they used to have. He says, listen, I know business. I know this. I know life. I'm the actual author and creator of it. I can come in and I can turn this around so you're no longer in the red. And guys, I got to tell you, I had the greatest gift at that moment, the gift of desperation. Sometimes the reason we're struggling, we ain't desperate enough. See, sometimes when you get that gift of desperation, some of y'all, God's been knocking on the door and you ain't been answering the knock's going to get louder, and then you're going to be on your knees, and you're going to have the greatest gift, desperation. Okay, Lord, I can't do this. Help me. So I got to the gift of desperation, and I finally said, Lord, um, turn this thing around. <laughs> c- c- come on in. I want you to turn this thing around. But here was the problem. So let's just say Jesus says I'm going to come into Junior St. Val Incorporated. That was on Friday. Here we are. It's Monday morning, and Jesus shows up just ready to get to work. And I show up and I'm like, okay, Lord, I am so glad that I invited you into my company. Here's what I need you to do. Okay. We're struggling in accounting. So I'm going to need you to go down there and go do this. And then next, here's what else I need you to do, Lord. Come on. Jesus is like, wait, Junior, you ran the company into the ground. Why are you still calling the shots? Your company needs new management. You are not a fit manager. I'm like, yes, Lord, but if I tell you to do it, it should be. He's like, no, 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 you're going to run the company back in the same direction because it's still the same authority. You need a new authority. And so I finally said, okay, Lord, so you're not going to go to accounting is what you're saying. (laughs) You ain't. Okay. You want to do. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, I'll give you this side. Let's start here. And what happened is what I gave him, he was successful with. And then I have a sponsor in the program that says, well, Junior, you gave your alcoholism to the Lord. What if you surrendered this to him? What if you surrendered that to him? And every day I just kept surrendering more and more. God, I I can't. I know I'm broken. When Junior runs this organization, it goes into the ground. On the outside, it may look good, but on the inside, it is bad. God, I will listen to whatever you tell me to do. I just want to tell you, church. That after I admitted that I was powerless and believed that God could, could do something and turned around, and I had to turn around a few times, y'all, because I tried to take control again. Be like, okay, Lord, now that we're not in the red anymore, I can take over again. I don't need you to run this company, Jesus. Let me do this. And he's like, no, 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 you're going to run it right back into the ground. Will you trust me enough because my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so, church, my prayer for you today is this is that unlike the church in Laodicea, that you wouldn't play church, but that you would be actually connected to the source. Because as Pastor 
Pastor Steve says every week, he says, you've got to be connected to Jesus. We teach from the Bible. Jesus is the source. We're here to help, and we love y'all. But Jesus is the source. When you get it from Jesus, it is refreshing and brings healing because he is the source. So my prayer and my challenge is that you would admit to God whatever it is that you're struggling with that you're holding on to, that you would believe that he can do something about it, that you would turn your life over to him, and that you would turn away from that sin or that thing and allow somebody else to walk alongside of you and some accountability. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person that's in this room right now. God, I thank you that you had a divine purpose and appointment with them today. God, you've been wanting to talk to them about that thing, Father God. As you were saying to the church in Laodicea, Father, you were saying, listen, you're, you, you say that you have riches and that you don't need anything, but, but you're, you're blind and you're naked and you're wretched and you're hurting. And I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And I want to help you to resolve these things in your life that have been driving your behavior since the time you were a teenager. Can you let me step in and give me control so that I can turn your life around? So, Father God, I pray that today if anybody prayed that, if anyone's feeling that, if anyone's thinking that, God, I pray that they would admit to some other human being, whoever it is, and admit to you what that thing is. Believe that you can do it. That's where faith comes in. And then turn to you on a daily basis and turn away from that thing so that they can have life, life. As you say, you have come to give us life and give us life more abundantly. God, I'm praying for abundant life for your children that's in this place and listening online. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much.